Welcome to Off the Beaten Map, the podcast where we explore the world of numbers in a unique way, centered around a different constant each episode. We'll chart the importance and history of this number through the mathematical landscape. Today, we are tracking the notorious and majestic golden ratio. Joining us today on our quest for truth is the bold and the brainy Eric Novak. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Sup, Eric. How are we doing? Pretty good. The golden (laughs) ratio has been described as the perfect illustration of beauty. It's called Mm. the golden mean, golden section, and the divine proportion. Eric, why is everyone so thirsty for this ratio? Apparently, it's divine. (laughs) Like like we had uh, the square root of two. People have heard of the square root of two, obviously not to that depth until they uh, were educated by our amazing podcast, but they had heard of the square root of two. <laughs> but clearly, but fly, I mean, the golden ratio or whatever you want to call it, you know, it doesn't really come up. Um, but when it does, well, it's interesting, you realize like, it actually should it should come up. <laughs> the most interesting things of math, like the square root of two, you know, golden ratio whatever like the more interesting things they don't come at come up a lot in (laughs) education it's strange like they don't want us to actually be inspired (laughs) by math it's a conspiracy guys (laughs) they're trying to put us down man they're trying to keep (laughs) the truth from you right it's like wait all this stuff is (laughs) so cool like why did you keep this from me it's very odd I don't know. I mean, uh, there's a lot to be said about it. I don't know where you want to start. Uh, I guess I'll start by saying it's uh, well, one plus the square root of five over two. That's how I look at right. it. Right. So I'm I'm going to start, I guess, with like, what is it? So if you want to just like go with your explanation and then I'll go with what uh, I have Yeah, here. I think the, uh, the traditional explanation uh, without like naming names or whatever, um, it comes from looking at uh, breaking... Uh, a line, so you have two points. In between those two points is a distance, and you want to break that distance into two sections. Uh, right. But I don't. I mean, I don't necessarily like to look at it that way. I mean, we could look at it a different way. Like maybe it's a, a stick. You're gonna break a stick in half or whatever. And so right. let's say you have let's say you have two sticks, and they have the same. Let's length. do the so stick. You, I like the stick. I'm mm-hmm. I'm seeing a stick right now. I like it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just do it my way. Yeah, totally different way than I've ever heard before. But let's go let's off say the rails. I'm a stick crazy. or and you break it in half, or say you have two equal length sticks. Uh, we're gonna start with mm-hmm. that, and you take sure. the second stick and you break it just so that uh, the smaller end is in proportion with the bigger end. That is the exact same proportion with that bigger end to the original unbroken stick. Exactly. So, yeah. Right. And, and what that creates terms, like, actually is a is like an equation, and then you can solve that equation quite simply, and which you is get interesting. This number that is not so simple, but yet maybe right. it is. Maybe it is, simple. and that's the beauty of it that it seems so simple, yet it's so complex. It's, it certainly that, has beauty. There's, that's know, what I was saying. When I had heard about it, I was certainly drawn to it. There's no doubt right. about that. Yeah, I thought it was an amazing thing. Yeah. Or beautiful, it, it definitely I is. 
I agree. And my explanation that I wrote down as far as like trying to describe it in layman's terms or whatever is basically exactly what you said. Take a line, cut it into pieces. The long part divided by the short part is equal to the whole length divided by the long, the long part. part. Yes. <laughs> basically. Yeah. That is actually um, the uh, definition that it was because like they didn't have, I guess. Sure the understanding that they could write it in that way, like uh, one plus squared five over two. They sure. Write, and I guess, I guess I'll just it. mention sh- to the me, actual, they should have said that. well, I'll go over the approximation, but just, what you is know, that? since people love to like drag us through the mud for going through like formulas, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to name it anyways, because I have to, the formal equation for the golden ratio is a over B equals a plus B over oh. A. So that that formula equals five. I was saying just for the people that want to know the base 10 decimal approximation. Right. So it'd be like 1.61804, so on and so forth. (laughs) I pretty much only have, yeah, like five decimal places. But actually, you know, I have more written down here. 1.61803398. The digits keep going on and on with no pattern, which is irrational which we'll discuss in a moment which we talked about that in other episodes exactly so i was going to ask you if you wanted to like elaborate on irrationals no i absolutely should elaborate on that because i even mentioned in uh whose root is two in the episode about the square root of two that i believe it's very likely that this is the number i mentioned this number this is the number i think that is more likely the candidate for what first sure turn them onto the existence of irrational numbers or rather the improper assumptions that they were making about numbers in the first place. Absolutely. And I'll talk about that later. A series or sequence of a number that doesn't repeat itself as far as at least yeah. this is the first case of it in like European yeah. history or whatever. Yeah. But that number doesn't have a repeating uh, air, uh, line over the top of it like 0.333 just keeps going. Mm-hmm. It's got a little line over the three. Oh, that's, and that's nice. Now we can stop writing threes. It doesn't right. have that. Exactly. It doesn't repeat. But it's actually very simply repeating, like I was talking about in the uh, previous thing, if you write a continued fraction. And in this case, the continued fraction, I said for square root of two, I was like, oh, it's like twos all the way down. This one's ones all the way down. So it's one over a one plus one over a one plus one over one over one over one. And then you just Twos keep adding. Twos and turtles all the way down. Less than turtles all the way down. But actually, uh, that uh, makes it almost more obviously irrational even. It's actually mm-hmm. more yes. in between the ability to make a integer over an integer for this guy than there is for the square root of two. And the way we showed that uh, in the episode was with that. It ends up being an even over an even. That seems like uh, you can only do that for that one number. So you couldn't do that for, I guess, you can use that same proof for this guy. But uh, I was like, this guy is actually even easier to prove. Actually, the proof is in the pudding. This guy, by definition, is irrational. irrational numbers. (laughs) Right. And uh, the uh, definition you gave with the A uh, plus B over A equals... uh, a over B, right? Or vice mm-hmm. versa? Well, Yep, that's correct. It, it's uh, quite obvious that, or to me anyway, that you can separate that A plus B over A into two separate fractions. Uh, and that sure. A over A becomes a, a over one. A or one yeah. plus B over A. Yeah. Yeah, a over A is a one. And actually, that's a very standard definition of this 
this number, this phi, we could call x, and then a very common property of the golden ratio is that it equals one plus its own inverse, its multiplicative inverse. So one over that, or yes. a over b becomes b over a, and you add one to that. <laughs> so exactly. You therefore, so, come back to the well, same formula that, in a way, is irrational like, by definition. Right there, we could get into that later. Yes. But so it's, we to will. me, we'll talk a little bit more about like that. They should have realized that that right there. Makes what it you irrational. just said, though, like it reminds me of what I was just about to say, which is like more of an expansion of the explanation of like the Fibonacci numbers. Which I'm mm. going to talk more about like Fibonacci during the history part. But what you were yeah, saying we're about gonna make, like, like a big deal about the, the adding the next numbers and the previous two, that is also something that's interesting when looking at the Fibonacci numbers, which people hmm. probably like understand the golden ratio more through the Fibonacci sequence and like hmm. the golden spiral and all these like. Did you know? That- uh, I hope this is true, and that you also know this, so you can confirm this. That they actually uh, they didn't realize that when they were doing uh, the Fibonacci sequence, just as a sort of side note, and they were talking about rabbits or whatever, and uh, yep. and they came up with this sequence, they actually didn't know yep. that it was no. uh, about the golden ratio. No, they didn't. That, that no, they came didn't. up yeah. from another Very mathematician later. Well, I mean, it's not that weird. I guess it's not, you know, it seems weird to us, but yeah, it seems kind of like, oh my God, like how did you not get that? But yeah, it's... I think the thing is that as a mathematician, he could see the beauty in what he was doing, even without that added layer. He just knew that that sort of growth equation that he was uh, hypothesizing was going to be awesome. And it looked beautiful. Like it was something special. First of all, you have to explain to the people, though, uh, what what you're talking about. I don't they don't know what the Fibonacci is. So. Okay, so let's just do like a little brief thing. So the golden ratio is best approximated by the famous Fibonacci numbers, which I'm going to explain to you what's going on with Fibonacci and what's going on with him. But it's a never-ending sequence, which, like we were saying, has to do with an irrational number. And it's starting with 0 and 1 and continuing by adding the previous two numbers. So, for instance, um, Mm -hmm. 1... Two, three, five. So one would be zero and one. Two would be one and mm-hmm. one. Three would be two and one. Five would be three and two. So this sequence goes on and on. And, yeah, and then eight, this I is guess. the more uh, related sequence, what we're seeing in nature as far as people like relating it, which I'm about to talk to you, uh, talk about right now in nature with like, you know, rose petals and sunflower seeds. Like this is what people more relate like, you're the saying that ratio uh, they have to be a two or a five or or, an, or a three. I mean, and or an eight or whatever. Yeah. So people are like, oh, they're following the golden ratio. What they really mean is it's a Fibonacci number. Is the number of petals on the flower is a Fibonacci number? Uh, I mean, is or, that absolutely true though? Well, I also wrote that down, so I think you'll appreciate this episode because I actually got into a lot of like the myths and like some of the more Good. interesting. Like, yeah, because I don't, I don't opinions. want any of that. Uh, false information just trying to you know right. jerk people Same. off and tell them that uh, oh there's a fibonacci number and in, in every single bowl right. of, of cheerios i mean <laughs> exactly so this is a more like well-known like people like to like uh more like i don't know glorify or fantasize yeah, about yeah. this glorify. like golden ratio yeah. and not a lot of those things are actually true so first let's get into the actual value 
which um, I just mentioned it a second ago because you asked, but I did write the golden ratio is equal to, and I think I wrote about like 20 digits, but mm-hmm. it then digits will keep going. There is no repeated yeah. like 1.333. There's no, no pattern. repetition. Yeah. And, and really, no I mean, we can hold all the accuracy by just uh, writing it algebraically in that short little uh, solution to the quadratic. Exactly. Right. So these numbers are going to keep going. There's no pattern. And that is the sign that it is an irrational number. And it's not just an irrational number. It's a significant irrational number. And to, dare I say, baby back that. (laughs) No, we're not going to make baby back. All right, to baby back that what? I don't get it. What? I'm just saying because like I said that in a a different episode and it didn't make any sense. And I was like, let's baby back this. And it like was not a thing. But yeah. So to baby back that, now I'm making it a thing. thing. I want to talk about like drawing it because I feel like that's a good place to start. Because obviously, like we were just looking at this the other day, the, you know, rectangle and how you can do that. So let's use the rectangle first because that's kind of what everybody knows. Mm. So let's just kind of first I want to draw. Do we all know about the golden rectangle? Because I feel like you didn't explain that yet. Um, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to do it right now. So oh, okay. let's draw in your mind, draw a unit square. So each side is one unit, whatever. Okay. So then you place a dot halfway along the bottom of the square. So halfway along the square, there's a, there's a point. Okay. Hmm. And then you draw yeah, a line okay. from that point to the opposite corner, which is, you know, like root five over two, whatever is the magnitude of that line. Then you drop the line. So it runs along the square's bottom side. Hmm. Then you can extend the square out to a rectangle, which is the golden Yeah, I have to say, uh, I feel like this explanation is way more uh, complicated than the one that I You think that's complicated? Oh, fuck. No, I think it's just more complicated. I was like, I'm making this so simple. (laughs) I'm just saying, I feel like the one that I've heard is actually simpler. And that is that you have a, a rectangle such that when you subtract a square from that rectangle... Uh, the biggest square that you can. So, right, I have a rectangle, and I know for a fact that this rectangle is not square, right? Because it's not a square, it's a rectangle. But it's also not so super long of a rectangle that it's like two squares, you know what I mean? It's not that wide, see what I mean? Right. So it's not so squished that it's a square, and it's not so wide that it's two squares. So it's exactly that right size rectangle, that sexy rectangle, that when I take away a square, The the biggest square that I can from this rectangle, I am left with, again, now a vertical rectangle, right? But the exact same proportioned rectangle that I started with, such that now I can now remove the biggest square that I can from that and be left with now, again, a horizontal rectangle, but again, of Mm. the same proportions originally, just now very small compared to... Okay, I like that. Yeah, I like that. And you can keep infinitely taking squares out, and every time you take that square out, you'll be left with a golden rectangle. Sure. Yes. Okay, I like that. But you and have to start with a golden rectangle for it to work. So the proportions have to yes. be such that what I yeah. explained, basically yeah. root five over and, two. And actually, in a way, that graphical representation is identical to the continued fraction of the one plus one over one plus one over one plus one over one I was talking about earlier. Exactly. Is actually and this is going to come thing. into play. Those are the same things. Right, it's going to come into play when I'm talking about uh, like uh, Renaissance art and things like that because that is actually a good explanation of how like proportionally 
the distribution of like where to put things in an art piece like that's how that makes sense I guess I think but, that um, also um I think goes back to what I was saying about how it's sexy like it's not too it's perfect. Uh, it's not too uh, narrow that it's like a square, and it's not too or whatever wide uh, that it's like two squares. It's this. Well, rectangle. funny that you use the word sexy perfect... because people have said that well, the golden ratio is involved with like the be. proportions of a person's Beauty. face. I mean, that could be true. Right. I think there's a whole uh, field to that whole thing. I don't know how right. legitimate symmetry it is. and whatnot. Yeah. But anyway, so now we also have what's called a golden triangle. So it is an isosceles, an isosceles? triangle such yeah, that... Yeah, I think I've heard of that maybe. Right, such the ratio that... of the hypotenuse uh, to the base is equal to the golden ratio. This is also referred to as a sublime hmm. triangle. Hmm. Sublime. And there's I like golden, golden ratios are <laughs> inside this triangle or something? <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I don't know. So... Yeah. That, that There's actually multiple shapes that can be. It's not just the rectangle that can. The golden ratio can be used to make oh, the shapes. Oh well, There's yeah, also like, like pentagrams pentagon. and all. You said the pen, uh, pentagon. So, yeah, and the pentagon. Um, the like Mars okay, attacks. Like, I, I think if you take uh, the points of the pentagon and you draw a diagonal between them, right? Like any point on a pentagon mm-hmm. has four other points that he could be looking at but only two of them are next to him the other two right uh those are further away and if you divide that over the other one you get the golden ratios right okay so let's go into the nature so i did a little section on obviously people are really obsessed with finding the golden ratio in nature it's like a big thing and i feel like or that's like why you were it's saying uh the fibonacci popular or whatever right. yeah so the golden really ratio is sometimes the, called the, the divine uh, yeah numbers. the divine proportion because of its frequency in nature so the divine proportion is more related to um it coming up in nature and art and things like that because of its proportion and for instance the number of petals on a flower like we discussed earlier and yes, like you just said, um, it's associated with the Fibonacci numbers. So the seeds of sunflowers and pine cone twists. And um, it's been said like opposing spirals of Fibonacci numbers and like storms and galaxies, which I'm going to get into later. I'm just mentioning it now. I'm not saying it's true. Like even somehow, the sides. Is it true or is it not true? What are you, what are you saying? Well, I'm just saying. Are the, are the say. arms of the Milky Way like? somehow counting Fibonacci numbers or are they not? Spoiler alert, no. But that's what people say. Even the size of an unpeeled banana will usually be a Fibonacci number. This is correct. And the number of ridges on a peeled banana will usually be a larger Fibonacci number. The banana Mm -hmm. thing is true. I did look that up. The spirals in the storm thing, bullshit. Not true. Mm. With that being said, uh, there are some myths where people love to claim that like oh my god fibonacci presence life is beautiful and rainbows oh my god but it's not that's not true like just because it is cool and a lot of things do follow the fibonacci sequence there is a reason for that i mean is that everything uh, does is that confirmation bias uh right there totally and then you know there's a reason some things like like the sunflower and all of that like there's a reason why it's following that pattern 
Oh, well, they say that the uh, reason that that pattern comes up is actually pretty simple. Actually, I think uh, I heard that it was uh, mathematically shown somehow. Uh, They simulated, they created some kind of uh, computer model or something. They kind of showed, so they could kind of put this thing to bed, I heard one time anyway. Yeah, I saw that that too. uh, That it was basically like like they thought and they proved it that it was a packing problem. And if you solve this problem, Efficiency. You're trying to be the most efficient. Efficiency at of spreading space. out these seeds from the center. So if you're trying to like right. build this thing out from the center, then they they kind of showed mathematically that the best way to do it, if your system, uh, your rules are as simple as turn a certain degree and then push a seed, turn a degree, push a seed, then you would create this pattern exactly, and it would be the exactly. most efficient, and you would turn exactly phi. Uh, over 360. Exactly. Yeah. And it's and like that would cre- that would therefore create these numbers, right? Yeah, it's not like the sunflower is like a fucking mathematician and it's like, "Ah, uh, yes, I figured out the optimum way to make my seeds." Like, no, that's not it. It's like natural selection or just like the flower has a no, way No, actually, of that's a, I think uh technically still sort of an open question, kind of like the thing about like the um arisal of uh consciousness like where does that really come from damn you physics mm. you haven't solved every single like how did this thing flower I can come know up with. where to put that they're seed. saying um there's sort of an unanswered thing which is how do they know that so yeah okay you figured out why there's uh these fibonacci numbers if you count the spirals because mm. you proved mathematically the most optimal way is to turn this number of degrees how did it know because the uh, botanists or whatever, the, the, the experts of the uh, biology of the plants, mm-hmm. they can see uh, on some level where that decision comes from. How, how Do you not think that's just like natural how selection? It, how it, yeah, how the plant tells itself or whatever, how it tells its parts to turn and, and place more seeds as it's growing. And they're like, hmm. how did it evolve to figure out that this protein and this protein and that together creates fucking phi? We're saying, right. oh, we realize why it's doing it. It's math, we and that's why it's five, and we knew it. And that's why you can sure. keep counting up these petals, and you can keep counting up these things, and, and uh, the Fibonacci numbers will keep coming up. And they're like, yeah, now we, know, yep. now we know why. But it's like, not to these guys. These guys are looking at how the plant is doing it. So yeah, over right. years, it evolved somehow to do this thing, but on a you know cellular level it's actually like a combination of proteins that allows it to create this perfect rotation right okay to- let's move into my next section which i like okay, to call yeah. fibo no she didn't <laughs> what this is the part where i debunk i'm the getting myths. scared <laughs> oh, okay okay <laughs> i came up with that so don't hate okay So the one I want to go over first is the infamous Nautilus shell. And I'm sure you've seen this before. Mm, Yeah, I have. So it often comes up with the um, Fibonacci spiral and it has the Nautilus shell on it. Yeah, they just sort of superimpose it on there. It's not actually the same, I guess. No, it's like a, um, you know, like a snail shell and it has like spaghetti on the end. It's like a little type of mollusk. So I actually looked into this like pretty deeply because there were a lot of sources that were like, it's been proven in some cases, but these mm. are like very rare cases. And we all know that. <laughs> yeah, you could find it one. It is yeah. possible that that could happen. Yeah. 
I mean, but I guess I, I don't know. I heard it was like, uh, it's basically a type of a logarithmic spiral is what they call them. Exactly. Uh, you stole and, the words out of my mouth. I was just about to say that. Yes. Uh, this, uh, if you make this number into a uh, Fibonacci and then also you make that into a spiral, then that right. Fibonacci spiral, which is still like the golden ratio, all the same stuff is actually just mm-hmm. a logarithmic spiral of a certain, uh, degree or something. Exactly. Like Right. Okay. And they are still nature. So it still is a sort of like anyway. This Nautilus show. It is. is, It's a log. Like um, the golden spiral is a logarithmic spiral. So it's not a lie. Nature is likely. It's likely to fall into the golden ratio because, like we said a second ago, that is usually optimal because it is proportional. Like if you're trying to like fill a certain amount of space and get the optimal amount of sunlight for all your petals. Like you might fall into that range. That's really close to the golden ratio. And that's yeah, just Yeah. Yeah. Like something about common. as they like put their uh, branches out or something, they keep adding yeah. those branches uh, for some reason in uh, coordinates with these same numbers and these same fractions of. Yeah, uh, exactly. And then that, I guess ends up getting, uh, like you said, uh, better sunlight, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. My uh, pine cones outside have the same spiral and the same numbers. Mm, the if you pine add cones, them up. yeah, yeah. Pine I'm cones actually why. have been um, one of the ones that I looked into a lot, and they have been proven. Uh, I think it was I'm talking six about out of things 10. outside my window. I'm not even trying right now. <laughs> I know that's the cool thing. I mean, it is present, and we know that it's present. And just yeah. for the reason that we just said, like it That's is all I'm saying. I'm going to have to check that banana thing. I've got bananas. I'm going to go check that later. Yeah. The banana thing's true. The, pine, the pine cone thing is true, but the Nautilus shell is not true. And also the spiraling so. arms in nature, such as spiraling arms of galaxies, um, mm-hmm. like curves of oceans and waves and things that people have said, or like hurricanes, those are not golden spirals, like you said. Honestly, those are log spirals. I thought you said that the shell thing was kind of like uh, similar, though. The the Nautilus shell was like the same thing. No, but, like pine yeah. cones. I would say I would give it a yes because well, they it have was the more Fibonacci like, w- numbers. Yeah, right. It was like six out of ten of pine cones, and think about all the pine cones. Like if they tested like a billion pine cones, you know, six out of ten is a large. I'm amount. thinking. Uh, I'm thinking like four leaf clover. Because it's like, you know, so yeah, rare. Yeah, let's so just, <laughs> you know what? That's a, and it's not that's a, a good Fibonacci example. number, yeah. The Nautilus <laughs> shell is like the four-leaf clover of it being a golden spiral. It's not very common yeah. at all. And they're acting like, those motherfuckers are acting like it's every motherfucking shell. They're like, oh my God, it's like the fucking poster child of the golden ratio. That's, mm. no. Do it you know, uh, actually, do you know uh, why the... Uh, Fibonacci numbers are related to the golden ratio. Yeah, it creates a spiral that increases in dimension by the golden ratio. Uh, by I every ninety say, degrees, uh, it's because like if you exponentiate, if you keep like uh, multiplying more golden ratios, if you say like golden ratio squared, golden ratio cubed, and you keep doing that, you essentially just add what you had before times phi to uh, the new number. So you're actually, you're basically doing what... The, yeah, it increases by phi. You, you're doing what the Fibonacci sequence is doing. You're remembering the last two numbers. Let's dive into the history. All right, first and foremost, there are some pop-ups of the golden ratio in Greek and Egyptian history. 
So remember Who? the unit square example we were talking about earlier where I was saying, mm-hmm. you know, like, yeah. Okay. So the ratio of the slant height to the pyramids to half of the base dimension is like 1.61804, which is no, extremely close to the golden ratio. No way. It can't Swear be that God. accurate. Which one? Like Giza? Like. Um, it was documented in like five different pyramids. So the Great Pyramid of Giza, um, and a number of other pyramids was the height of the pyramids, the half of the base was one point six one eight, and this was measured like multiple times throughout history. And that's yeah, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. I didn't think it so was they that knew accurate. like coincidence i think not i don't think no they no, knew, no. Like, oh, it's I, I, I thought maybe it was a coincidence as the way i heard it but now that you're saying it's that kind of decimal accuracy no i feel like they knew that this was they must like have. aesthetically perfect and that's what they aspired to do with the pyramid so they wanted i to was be actually like- saying very recently uh those egyptian pharaohs were not joking around they really thought they were no. gods that that this wasn't Absolutely. a game. This was not a game to them. They definitely thought they were gods. They're crazy as hell. <laughs> Absolutely. They're like, pull my brain through my nose. I'm Jesus. Put that in a like, jar. No, 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 no. Wrap my body. What are you doing? Hey, hey, what are you doing with my cat? Mummify that cat. I was just going to say that. Grab that cat. Mummify it. Put it in there with me. I am God. I am raw. Hey, 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 where are you going? No, no, no. You're staying here with me. Sir, I'm not dead. Honestly, yeah, you, like, that's oh, kind yeah, of horrifying. Some of the shit, I would not want to be in ancient Egypt. That's, yeah. I think, uh, that's some rotten shit. I heard, right there. Is, this, is this a true story? They, uh, they killed all the, like, engineers one time on, uh, one of the great, uh, monuments that they were building. They were like, yeah, I don't want you living because you built this thing. You could build oh, it they like, didn't for want someone else. Anyone to know how they did or it. Or build a bigger one. Right. That's got to be the dumbest fucking thing you could have done. Like, oh, thank you so much for building this amazing thing. Like, now you're all going to die. How about building something else after that? You fucking idiots. So, getting into the Greeks. The Greeks also showed uh, an advanced understanding of the golden ratio. So, let's dive mm. into Euclid. Is that how you say his name? Euclid, right? Yes. That's how I always said it. Okay. Euclid, 365 BC. So Euclid's Elements, which we've actually discussed this book recently. Iconic. Iconic mathematical relic we're talking about here. Euclid's Elements. So it's in book two, theorem 11. Um, concerning areas which are solved by dividing a line in a given ratio. So this is in Euclid's um, writings. Euclid is obviously a mathematician of ancient Greece, very (laughs) prolific, and he wrote this book, Euclid's Elements. And Euclid goes on to explain um, an application of the construction of a regular pentagon, which you were just talking about earlier. Did you (laughs) read about the pentagon in Euclid's Elements? I know uh, quite a bit about uh, the pentagon from studying it just myself. And that's actually the best way really to do it is to try and uh, come up with some of this stuff on your own. It's, um, yeah, so the construction of the Pentagon is like more described using the golden ratio. Um, So instead of describing it as, okay, 
this and this sides, it's more described in terms of the golden ratio, kind of like how I was talking about with the hmm. uh, sublime triangle. Right. Which was so, very strange also. But also, it's good to note that in Euclid's elements, he also did not refer to it as the golden ratio. He referred to it as the extreme and mean ratio, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So with uh, describing in terms of the Pentagon was when it was first really documented. Mm -hmm. Then we move forward to Plato, which most people know who he is, circa 400. Yeah, but not in this context. BC. Right? We don't don't know him for this, though. No, but people probably know the name. Like, oh, Plato, yes. So how is he involved here? He's not an artist. He's What is he doing here? Let's dive into it. Okay. So... There's a I know book the, called... the solids have a bunch of the golden ratio in them, don't they? The platonic solids. Mm-hmm. So he so he got pretty hard about that. The fact that this uh golden mean, this golden ratio, this number, whatever he thought of it, whatever he called it, that this guy was popping yep. up in these three dimensional shapes he was looking at. That he oh, considered yeah. that he considered, I guess, to be uh holy or or what? You think he thought these these things oh, were absolutely. actually magic and He's holy. all about like the formation of the universe mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. This is very much like it's not much of a like mathematical. And so that he was what he wanted everyone to see how this phi was popping up in this magic, obvious magic thing that represents yes. the universe, like physics in his mind. Correct. So he wanted to make the connection between the mathematics and beauty of Euclid's elements, and he noted that in the Timus and presented it as an elaborate account of the formation Mm. of the universe, explanation of its impressive order and beauty. (laughs) So that's, you know, he was kind of like on... Realized first by me. (laughs) He's like on shrooms or something, (laughs) like running around in Greece. I don't know what was going on with him, but... He definitely noted it in his book too, but he didn't really know any like mathematical relationships. It was just like another point, I guess, to reference because he was just kind of like passing the torch down like, hey, this is beautiful because he used it in, you know, other forms of art. So anyways, let's move on to Phidias of Greece. This is 500 BC and um, he is a mathematician and Mm. he's also a sculptor which wasn't uncommon for the time, but Phidias was thought to have used the golden ratio when he was designing the Parthenon's appearance. Right, Mm -hmm. yeah. The the golden ratio hadn't been utilized in that form yet, I guess, uh, for art. Uh And let's just say there is some controversy in this area because... Because? mm, It's very, very... Uh, disputed here whether he was using the golden ratio in this architecture. So mm. it's really tough to find information on I this guess, because there are a uh, lot of sources that say he did and a lot of the thing say he is, did not. Uh, like we've already established very early on that mm-hmm. this thing crops up in nature. So right, if exactly. it crops up in nature, maybe it just naturally cropped up in his art depicting nature. That's what I think. From what I saw, I think that I don't think that he was using the golden ratio. 
Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, what about I think the, that... um, damn it, the, the squaring the circle, uh, the man with the arms outstretched, you know? Oh, that, uh, a Vitruvian man. Yeah, yeah, he's like squaring the circle or whatever. I don't know. D- uh, right. Uh, isn't that... That's Leonardo da Vinci. Golden ratio? Yeah, and did he not like openly use the golden ratio or is that controversial as well? He definitely did. A lot of like Renaissance artists would use the golden ratio, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's a question of whether or not they used that particular like number to create those images or did they create those images Hmm. and as a result the golden ratio was extracted from them because it was so quote-unquote beautiful and proportional because that is the essence of the Hmm. golden ratio it's beautiful it's proportional and that is the ratio i guess i would posit this uh maybe this is a bad argument but i'm gonna try anyway if I uh, mm-hmm. were to write a piece of music and I had a, uh, say I was some kind of brilliant musical mind, hypothetically, <laughs> and I composed <laughs> this piece, and then it would actually be uh, composed in that those mathematical ways so that it would add mm-hmm. up uh, to, to what you would have expected. So what are you, you saying? What's your point? I'm saying that it's not a coincidence uh that the numbers lined up that way. And it's also not that Hmm. I necessarily used some kind of calculator to come up with those buttons or whatever, those notes. I did them uh, just like through feeling, you know what I mean? And then that connected me back to, again, these specific keys and distances that you could say, oh, he did that because he calculated Mm -hmm. out this thing is like no i didn't i didn't i just but i guess it. if we're and discussing it- here the significance and history of this number i guess it matters you know like did it da doesn't vinci because you can never that know number if da vinci was like oh when making the vitruvian man i then <laughs> turned to his he didn't write that for us he didn't tell us trachea that. He, just, he just wrote the I- same thing then turned his trachea phi distance turned towards the center. You know, I don't think we can. I don't think that. we can know. Yeah, we can never know for sure. But it is, right. I guess, said that those proportions uh, are not only close to the golden mean or the golden ratio or whatever to phi, but they're also, you know, again and again and again, the distance of your your fingertip to your finger or some shit, or the, your finger to your hand or your your hand to your forearm, your forearm to your whole arm, your your mm-hmm. uh, arm to your arm span. Like, it just never ends. <laughs> right. Turtles, turtles all No, it just, I guess it just ended right there. <laughs> I really hope people understand that reference because I don't want to be, like, out here hanging. Technically, I'm going to explain it next time. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm Shoot. actually going to explain that. Yeah. It's going to be a, a pretty rough ride next time. But, oh, uh, next time. Okay. Oh, yeah. We're, whoa. we're gonna we we're, were gonna on... tackle a beast next time. But uh, yeah, that's what that's how okay. We're cool. Do it. Good because go we turtles. make that joke a lot. Okay. Now that's I why I'm go not afraid to do it because we keep talking about turtles all the way down. People need to know. I have a little bit about Fibonacci just because he's the star of the show. 
So we don't know much about Fibonacci's personal no, life beyond really. his mathematical writings. But I know Fibonacci's father, um, mm. forgive me, googly... <laughs> <laughs> Googlyelmo, Googlyelmo, yo Googlyelmo, yo Googly Moogly, <laughs> yo Googly Moogly. Okay, I'm so sorry, Fibonacci, Googlyelmo, whatever. He was a merchant, okay, and but he was appointed <laughs> the council over the community of the Pisan merchants. So he was like a very high up merchant. It wasn't just like you know a peon he was just you know he was a good guy mm. so he sent fibonacci to study uh calculation with i don't know if you know this but i actually thought this was really cool so fibonacci studied as a young child with the arab master al kuro izimi but the latinized term is algoritmi which algorithm was based on the word algorithm and huh. the whole concept of algorithms was based hmm. on this Arab master mathematician. No, I didn't know very that. That's that's very strange. I got to look into that. Right. So Fibonacci studied with the Arab master, which um, the word algorithm, which most people would understand today, was based hmm. off of this Arab mathematician. So that's who he studied with as a young child. And then after his apprenticeship with algorithmy or algorithmy, um, <laughs> he was interested in number theory and traveled to Egypt, Syria, Greece, Sicily, Providence. And there in all those places, he studied different numeral systems and methods mm -hmm. of calculation. And the survey became interested in number theory. I mean, do you want theory. to maybe uh, give the people a brief description of what number theory is? Well, I know. I mean, number theory is your game. That's your beast. So you explain it better than I do. <laughs> yeah, but I just wanted to uh, pose the question, not steal the show. <laughs> Go for it. Like, uh, give a little explanation for what number theory is. Um, what is the uh, context? Why are we even talking about number theory right now? Uh, who, who are we talking about? Leonardo Fibonacci. Oh, okay. Okay. So, right. No, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. So, uh, mm. Fibonacci is really concerned uh, with number theory, and he's actually very smart to do so because even without realizing it, uh, like we were talking about earlier, he was touching, he was tapping into the perfect way uh, to uh, approximate this golden ratio just by playing mm -hmm. this little game. But it was because it was all integer-based, and he was concerned with looking at these algorithms and these... Uh, equations these theories these ideas that were all in principle based off of basically the pure mathematics not not to say that 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 mathematics isn't still legitimate and stuff it's just to me it feels like when you start getting closer to number theory which is like like it sounds like <laughs> the theory of numbers so the whole numbers when we're talking about ones and twos it and is. stuff that is actually kind of the most logically trustworthy of the mathematics? Does that make any sense? Yes, but I would say okay. it's very, it's a slippery slope it's and it gets into Froofy Doofy very quickly. Hmm. Like fractals mm -hmm. and uh, Mandelbrot and all these things are like very, very abstract. So number theory is There's a actually uh, uh, fractals. There's even this fractals and this sort of stuff inside of these, inside of these guys, inside of Whoa. these whole numbers even. Hey. I was just talking Hold about up. the prime distribution. Okay. I don't know. 
How dare you? How dare you? That's number theory. No problem. Okay. So he's getting into that. And then in 1202, this is B. Mm, no, that's AD. Okay, 1202. He wrote um, a book called Practica Geometriae. But, um, Geometri- geometry. I don't know, man. It means practice of geometry. <laughs> oh, okay. Give me a break. Well, there you go. Just, just, this just say eight that. Chapters, I mean- eight chapters. <laughs> he wrote... <laughs> He wrote Practice of Geometry, okay? Right. It sounds cooler when it's like the original uh, yeah, name, right. though, but I had to mention it. So this includes eight chapters of theorems based on Euclid's elements, which has come up three times in the people that have studied this. So obviously it's an important text in mathematics, but anyways. Mm. So he was also reading Euclid's shit, and then yeah, um, in his historic manuscript, he proposes this question. So this is the iconic question. A certain man put a pair of rabbits in a place surrounded on all sides by a wall. How many pairs of rabbits can be produced from that pair in a year if it is supposed that every month each pair of baguettes, a new pair, which from the second month on becomes productive, which by the way, he talks really crazy and obviously, this is from fucking like 1202 AD, so it doesn't make super sense. But yeah, I mean, so like I'm just gonna throw word, this out this there. This is like a word that makes problem. very little sense. A because that doesn't seem like right. how rabbits work, <laughs> but B also because like, what is this environment that like where that makes sense, where rabbits can just keep doing this again and again? I think he was on acid oh. or like. You know, some kind of like hash. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but the funny thing is, even though he was like tripping balls, when he started thinking about this thing and then repeating it again and again, he saw like an amazing pattern. And then he had, he right. had, had that's to basically write it down. the whole point. Had to fucking put <laughs> yeah. this in his book. Like, this is good shit, man. And then the most hilarious right, I don't... thing is how accurately uh, useful it actually is. It was like right. I don't know where the like word problem came into play, like where he was coming up with this rabbit thing. But I don't get it. I don't know what's going on with that. But I felt like I needed to like, like quote and unquote the actual thing because it's well, so hearing, prolific. Hearing it, so that, that would that threw me through a loop. You know, <laughs> even though it's weird, there there we have it. That's that's the, like mm. famous question he proposed, but that resulted in the number sequence. One, one, two, three, five, yeah, eight, thirteen, think twenty-one, thirty, whatever. Yeah, I think he didn't really realize how great it was, but he had a sense that it was something beautiful. Definitely. And then not. other people right. like took it up, like that Lucas uh numbers are actually basically the same thing, but with different uh starting right. numbers. Yeah. And I think they're actually yes, better. It's the they recursive better number sequence. Phi, I think in a way. By their uh, equation, huh? the Lucas numbers, I think they actually, in a way, better represent phi. They're basically the same thing, same rules, but uh, you kind of like start it out slightly differently. Like you start with like a two and then you go like one. Basically, the point is... Uh, yeah, I think it's both a good representation of the ratio. But so yeah, I think he just, understood you know, uh, a deeper on a deeper level when he read uh, that book. When he was looking at uh, his yes. boy's work, he was like, ah, mm. Check, Definitely. check this out. It's a relationship between two or more successive terms. Mm-hmm. And this was the first recursive number sequence, like I was saying earlier, or I think you were saying that, like no one had represented 
a recursive number sequence in which the relationship between actually that's a big deal two or more successive that, terms. Na- that step like he didn't huh? realize that recursive nature thing was like a big step but yeah, i guess that was the first time no he but didn't the other he's like the- i'm fibonacci <laughs> but i'm making cool. spaghetti he, he, <laughs> hey we're back he to didn't realize that that it was like a you know monumental thing but later on they realized whoa this is like the first time we've ever seen this mm-hmm. But it was okay. Uh, can you maybe? I guess. Really uh, where it took off. Can you be a little bit more uh, iterative about the explanation of this recursive nature, just in case not everyone's clear about? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Each number is the sum of two preceding numbers. Right. So it's like a recurring so we have theme one. that we keep adding it to again and again. We, we keep holding on to this. And this is uh, so, because he was thinking about This was a big deal. Rabbits. Yeah. I don't know where the rabbit shit came from. Maybe he had some kind of a fetish. But like, fuck the rabbits. Like this, the sequence really mm. that he came up with was a, it's a big deal. Definitely. But not, not like, straight away, but like a, maybe in time. Right. And then it was like, boom, holy shit, Fibonacci, golden ratio, bam, boom, bam. And that's like really, that's how it happened. That's pretty cool. And they used it for sculptures, paintings, all kinds of things, divine proportions, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. But it was finally coined the golden yes. ratio in the 1800s. Basically the same thing. By a man called Martin Ohm. And yes, Ohm yeah, I know you mm. were thinking you George mean like Ohm. Physics? Exactly. Oh, okay. Ohm's law. You're saying I you're saying Ohms are somehow related? Or no? Well, uh George Ohm came up with uh Ohm's law, which is I equals U over R. Current equals so uh, it's not related. Uh, voltage over resistance. No, oh. that's his brother. Which I guess technically it's related. Hello, <laughs> boom. <laughs> Oh, you dog. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, George Ohm is his brother, but Martin Ohm was a mathematician. I mean, is it related mathematically? Come on. You know what I mean. No, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. Uh, He's a physicist, and then Martin Ohm uh, is a mathematician. mm -hmm. So, they both went to the same school, education, whatever. He became a mathematician, and he did a lot of study in number theory, Mm -hmm. and he coined the divine proportion as the golden ratio in the 1800s, right. uh, something 1860-whatever, when he was in college. So lesser-known Shitty Martin was the first person to use the term golden to describe the ratio <laughs> in his book, The Pure Elementary Mathematics. I'm not sure if he really that deserves up. that big of a shout-out, but okay. <laughs> whatever. I mean, he was the first one to say it. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> and then, um, if anybody cares, it was in the 1900s, which is weird that they actually first started using phi. It was a guy called Mark Barr. And what's what's an okay? What's his mathematician. story? I didn't write a lot about him. It was super boring. Just an American mathematician, and he was working right. on number theory as well. And he assigned it the Greek letter phi. It wasn't anything significant. Mm. This one. Yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> I mean, that's what he yeah, did. Yeah, that's what I I'm mean, saying. as far as everything else, everyone did. Who the fuck is like, this guy? Whatever. Who does he think he is? It doesn't matter. <laughs> so let's go on to now. Like, I want to talk about, like, 
a little bit about what's going on now. Uh, what do you mean? You know, just in modern times, like we're talking about a lot of like really ancient shit and like, you know. Yeah, 500 years ago. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we can't so, ca- quite catch up, I guess, as in the world of five. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of reference right you know, now. Five fi like, is one of the oldest uh, age old numbers that they cared about. Like, like pi. I know. So let's talk about Sir Roger Penrose. That doesn't sound Do you know mo- who that is? <laughs> No. <laughs> it doesn't even sound modern. You know who he is. Of course he is. He just won the Nobel Prize for, for physics in uh, 2020. For what? Last year. For what? For physics. <laughs> Uh, Sir Roger Penrose run, uh, won the Nobel Prize in Physics uh, for his work in supermassive black holes. Oh, isn't that all theoretical? Though? The supermassive. There was they discovered. Um, it was him and two other people. There was a woman and another physicist. There were three of them, and mm-hmm. they discovered a black hole at the center of the center of our galaxy. Oh, the uh, Alpha. I'm sure star. you remember that alpha whole thing. Star, something like that. Exactly. How could you? It's it's a it's a black hole. No, they did. They got a photograph of the um, what is it called? The something horizon event. The event horizon. They got a photograph of the event horizon yeah. of the black hole. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know you could like, take pictures of black holes that easily. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like a generated picture. It's not like somebody <laughs> floated out there in their spacesuit and like was like chitch. Well, I mean, no. my understanding like about the uh, Alpha Star or whatever was that uh, a while ago, like years ago or whatever, they had compiled uh, the astrological daters of uh, basically like the movement of stars because the stars really close to the center of the galaxy are moving mm-hmm. in a very like fast, uh, move, uh, very rapid, you know, pattern. And that basically extrapolates because mm-hmm. you could tell how big they are and how massive those stars are. You could just kind of tell that there's a super massive uh, density yes. at the center of all these rapidly yes. evolving, uh, revolving stars. But then they also yeah, further absolutely. said, and you that can we, tell by the. I think uh, they further said we have these uh, supermassive black holes all over the place. So every galaxy basically is being held totally. together or has been created around. Or however it happens, there's a supermassive black hole all over the place. And it's in the middle of every giant galaxy. Right. right. And okay. you can tell this by the coordinates of, like you said, the gravitational pull of massive Supposedly. objects. So you can tell by things that are surrounding it. Yeah, that doesn't mean right. I have a picture of it. I don't know. Well, it needs a they better name won the Nobel Prize for this. Star, though. I'll say that. But the point is, is that he, I'm not referencing the golden ratio to the Nobel Prize that he won for the black hole. No? I'm actually referencing it for the Penrose tilings, which I'm pretty uh, sure you've heard of those. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Penrose tilings obviously is from Sir Roger Penrose, the English mathematician who won the Nobel Prize last year, blah, 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 blah. But the significance of phi is in the Penrose Tilings, which hmm. is his earlier works, which is an infinite pattern yeah, but how could that, that have never to... repeats. So yeah, shifting and tiling and the shapes are like mm-hmm. like any fine... Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's hard to explain, but yeah. Just imagine like looking into a kaleidoscope and all of these like infinite patterns and 
yeah so like you said we've mentioned mandelbrot before and people probably don't know what that is but it's an example of fractals and um penrose tilings involves phi so one plus square root of five or two Mm. um and this is by like the distance that they're like turning like we were saying earlier if you describe uh the golden ratio in a geometric sense this applies to the penrose tilings (laughs) all right thank you so much for listening to our episode you guys on the golden ratio please check out our new instagram page it's at off the beaten mathcast and get updates and supporting content on our new episodes <laughs> yeah and this has been Alora and eric and we want you to join us next time off the beaten math we're gonna kick some math <laughs> <laughs>